FASWA is a podcast about Bigfoot. It's recorded for the skeptics, the believers, the knowers, and those who just have a casual interest in the subject. For more information, visit saswhat.com. This is Sasswhat, a podcast about Bigfoot. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined, as always, by my friend, Mark Matsky. Hello there from Southeast Ohio, Bigfoot's summer home. <laughs> just just summer now? Just summer, yes. I think by now we've established he migrates south. Yeah, definitely. Florida, he's a snowbird. That Yeah. He gets guy. angry though. I think we've discovered mm-hmm. too that he he moves down there and then he gets angry. So uh, tonight's show is going to be well. First of all, I got to address a couple things. One, um, the yeah, apologies for missing the show over the Easter holiday. Um, it had nothing to do with Mark. Believe me, Mark is always geared up to record. I think Mark would do a show every night if we could. Um, <laughs> and it, yeah. and he, if we did a show Quite every possibly. night, it would entirely be mark talking i'd be just like asleep <laughs> at a certain point i just grab books off the shelf and start reading them you know like an audio book for people definitely and um but it, it, we're into for those that don't know uh the minerva monster movie documentary that i directing i'm directing i directed uh is into post-production so we are down to less we're right at like a month right i mean it's it's way yeah. less than a month until we have to send this thing off so getting everything wrapped up on this is is proving to be uh a task but thankfully we should be done here in the next week i think so hopefully once that's done the movie's sent off um sass what becomes my primary focus again and um as far as the movie goes, if you have been following along, the uh, it's available for pre-order right now at GrassmanGear.com. So if you're interested in Minerva Monster, head over to Grassman Gear and you can pre-order. You can also pre-order t-shirts and posters and all that stuff. So um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that during the month of May, we are declaring May Small Town Monsters Month. So Mark and I will be doing four or five episodes i haven't even checked to see how many weeks we have how many shows we actually will be putting out in may so i'm going to do that at right now at least four right <laughs> yeah we're at, at actually it's five is so it five all right it is five so we're going to be doing yeah i guess five up episodes during may uh small town monsters episodes and what that means is we're going to do i think as of right now the the tentative idea is to do um the tentative plan is to do Two episodes focused on the Minerva Monster, one on the production of the film and one on the Minerva Monster case. And I will hopefully be including some stuff that we might be cutting out of the movie. So a little bit of, you know, like sound clips and stuff like that from interviews. And then the rest of the month will be focused on small town monster cases. So, you know, your old orange eyes, 
uh, Momo type river sticks monster, that kind of thing. Kind of like what we talked about on last week's episode, actually. Um, a little big head in there. Big head might throw them in Charles mill Lake monster. Um, probably toss some of those in. If uh, what I wanted to do though, is I would love to get some listener participation on these episodes. So if you have a monster in your town or, you know, of a town near you that has a monster and it might be one that isn't very well known, um, send a letter to sasswhatmail at gmail.com and tell us about your small town monster. And we will read your letter on the show on one of the shows that we're doing. And, um, we would love to do that cause that would be fun to kind of spotlight some lesser known creatures. Like I know I'll probably talk a little bit about Minnie the monster from mineral city, Ohio, my favorite, uh, local legend. So, um, that'll be all during the month of May. So month of May, small town monsters month, gearing up for the release of Minerva Monster on May 16th. And I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add about those episodes. Well, I think also we'll be doing a little debrief of the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. Oh, yeah. Which we will be involved with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think maybe we can some mobile so. recording, too. Who knows? Definitely. Uh, I think we have to. Um, so I'll probably actually, since we have a cabin down there, I'll be bringing my mixer and everything. I'll uh, probably bring it all down. Maybe all right. we can get some people back to the cabin one night and do some interviews on site. Um, that would be a lot of fun. Actually. Yes, it would. So let's plan. Yeah. May is going to be crazy. May is going to be a big month for Sasquatch and, uh, Minerva monster. Wow. And the two are not completely separated and they will both be present pretty pretty heavily at the Ohio Bigfoot conference on May 16th. If you're there, Sasquatch is actually a sponsor of the conference. So I'm fairly certain I'm allowed to say that because I'm pretty sure I saw it on the Facebook page at some point. Yep. Um, it's on the website too. So okay. secrets so, out. Secrets out. Sasquatch official sponsor, Ohio Bigfoot conference. Wear your um, lime green shirt and yeah. represent the podcast, please. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, so th- this episode is going to be somewhat themed, but it's also probably going to turn into a bit of a rant at times or just talking randomly. Uh, we got a Free letter. Style. Freestyling. Yep. Freestyle. <laughs> um, do you want to... <laughs> I'll beatbox while you read this. <laughs> Should I wrap the letter? No, please don't. Okay. Don't. I'll spare you. We're way too white for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's in the Megamix edition. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I have heard you beatbox, uh, so I'm well aware that you are skilled. I have a few skills. Skilled in the urban arts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. That was part of my undergrad, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, here is our letter. Hi, Mark and Seth. First off, great show, and I really enjoy the podcast and the work that you guys put into the show. Second, I'm not sure what the nerd level would be emailing a show about Sasquatch. And I would insert there, certainly not more than actually doing a podcast (laughs) about Sasquatch. You're you're not at our level yet. You're you're almost there, though. (laughs) Anyhow, my thoughts slash questions slash comments is, I listen or have listened to a variety of shows on this topic, including the show you mentioned in this podcast, Sasquatch Chronicles. In full disclosure, I'm a paid subscriber to that podcast. What struck me during your show and what I wanted to ask is, in your opinion, why do people make up or embellish sightings? I know that you have had shows on hoaxing, but I would 
put making up a sighting when nobody else is around in a different category. I don't mean to discredit Wes and that show. I think it is a fabulous show and probably will remain a subscriber for the time being. However, I don't participate in the Bigfoot community, so I'm not sure if there's a reason why people would want to embellish or make up a sighting. I'm wondering if this would give someone more legitimacy within the Bigfoot community. As a listener, it doesn't matter to me if someone has seen one or not. I would have listened to that show whether or not they had an encounter. I also find people who haven't had encounters to be just as interesting and credible as those who haven't. What I find most odd about someone making up a sighting and then broadcasting that sighting for the entire world to hear is a majority of people would probably feel ridiculed for telling their encounter. So, I find it very strange that someone would be willing to make up a story about something that may or may not exist in the first place. I generally hold the belief that people are seeing something out there. I don't know if it is a Bigfoot or a known creature that is mistaken for Bigfoot. Obviously, this subject will attract some of the stranger people out there, such as Todd Standing, but I don't see the value in making up a Bigfoot sighting. Like I said, I'm not going to point a finger and say they made this up, and this was the first time I had heard about it. Anyhow, keep up the good work, Brandon. Yeah, uh, great letter, Brandon. Awesome letter, actually. And um, a couple things I want to talk about. One of the things that jumped out to me while reading his letter was that word credible. Um, and he's talking about it in a few different different ways. But something I've noticed in the Bigfoot field is that there are people who will fake an encounter simply to appear more credible. Um, or, or claim, I shouldn't say fake an encounter, because obviously it's it's almost impossible to to completely 100% prove that someone is faking an encounter unless you have something like, I don't know, like a moon not being in the sky the night of their encounter. Um, but uh, did you just fall off the screen? I no. almost, oh. yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, Sass, what? Um, <laughs> so, so what I find, though, is that people will will um, suddenly someone is having multiple encounters with a creature that is supposedly extremely elusive for 99.9% of the rest of the general population. Suddenly, suddenly you have someone who's just constantly seeing it, interacting with it and all this. Um, it's it's that is a is it something that is solely relegated to like these paranormal quote-unquote paranormal i don't believe obviously bigfoot's a paranormal field but it's relegated to these kind of fields uh it's the same thing with the ufo field you have people who are constantly claiming to have interactions with beings from another galaxy um you have people that are claiming to see ghosts every time they're in a haunted house and and i don't know why you have to fake or why you have to claim You've had an encounter to gain some kind of credibility. Um, it's odd. I don't know if you have a take on that, Mark. I think that the uh, idea of wanting to gain a foothold in the quote-unquote Bigfoot community, which we've talked a little bit about, talking about a sighting that you may or may not have had is one quick and easy way to sort of make a name for yourself, if that's something that you're interested in doing. I wouldn't say that there is a huge population of people who's looking to make a name for themselves in the Bigfoot community, but one way to do that would be to share an encounter that you've had. And, you know, when we're, what we're kind of talking about here is hoaxing mm-hmm. and maybe the nature and the psychology of hoaxing. And, you know, it got me thinking as 
getting ready to record for tonight, you know, when we're talking about hoaxing, really, what we're talking about is lying. Right. It's just lying. It is. It is. And so the question then becomes, why do people lie? If you want to think of it that way. Right. I, it's funny. I, I wanted to get into just psychological reasons for hoaxing. So I was doing some research online today mm-hmm. and I came across an article uh, on the Huffington Post by a guy. And this is totally unrelated to anything paranormal or Bigfoot. Um, this guy had posted a photo of himself with a, a doctored uh, lottery ticket, you know, and he was basically trying to get people to share the photo and then he was going to give them a cut of his lottery winnings and he just did it to see what would happen and it blew Mm -hmm. up and ended up getting like some obscene millions literally millions of shares and he was getting emails and letters from people telling him about their their woes and why they wanted him to share the money with them and all this stuff um, but for uh, something that caught my attention is that at the very beginning of the article he said it comes down to this there are only two reasons for hoaxing one is what how exactly did he say it? one basically it comes down to attention or money and what he said is instead of just a, a, those two you know attention or money he was talking about attention on you know social media people noticing you taking notice of you and when he was talking about money he was actually talking about promoting things like promoting a work or something like that mm-hmm. but i mean really what i'm narrowing it down to is those two things attention or money i actually think there's more to that i i think there's probably at least one or two more reasons besides sure. just those two but i do think you could probably make an argument that everything could be narrowed down just to those two things and especially in the bigfoot world um I think a lot of times when people are claiming to have a sighting, money might be behind that. Um, Or, you know, obviously the things that spring to mind are guys like Dyer and the um, other guy, um, his name rhymes with Farty, (laughs) Fascardi. Obviously that's all about money. And then you do have the attention seekers, the the guys who want to show you their blurry photos of stumps and so they can gain some kind of cult-like following uh, on social media. So I kind of liked that narrowing it down. I mean, I did think of other examples outside of those two. Um, one would be like a mental illness because that's definitely something that takes place. People just lie. Um, for no. They, they might not. People lie. I mean, without money... Or attention at the center of it, put driving them. They people still lie. Sure. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why people lie. I mean, save face, you know, avoid confrontation, uh, to get your way, uh, to be nice in certain situations. But I think you're right. I mean, as it as it hits this topic, you're really talking about two main things: attention being one and financial gain being another. I do think, though, the the example that you gave at the beginning about the guy who just wanted to see what happens, mm-hmm. I think that may be behind some hoaxing. You know, Definitely. just to, almost in a humorous vein. I mean, I, I think back not so long ago, I thought it would be a hilarious idea to, you know, throw a hubcap in the air and snap a photo and say, hey, look, a UFO, you know? And I wasn't trying to get any attention for that or sell pictures of it. I just thought it would be really funny you know, to take a picture of a, of a 
hubcap and call the flying saucer, you know, and this was sort of the, at the height of the first X, X-Files popularity. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can have sort of a random, let's see what happens type thing there too. Another angle that I found really pretty fascinating is when somebody hoaxes or lies in support of an ideal hmm. and they kind of start, they know it's a hoax and it's false, but they, over time, if you tell a lie enough, you may start to psychologically buy in Definitely. That, that this did really happen. And you almost need to say that it happened in order to advance your agenda so that it uh, yeah. no longer becomes, you know, this is what happened to me. But regardless of whether this happened or not, it's advancing a certain ideology that I have. And that's where yeah, it really you- gets weird. It would be fascinating to see how many people that claim to have sightings. Um, and I'm not saying, I'm not discounting every sighting or anything like that. I'm just saying, I would find it fascinating to see how many people who 20 years ago claimed to have a sighting uh, that might not have had a sighting, but they have bought into that sighting over time simply because, and I know what you're talking about is a little different, but I'm saying like literally psychologically buying into your lie because that mm-hmm. is a, people do that. It's a, that is a legitimate thing that takes place. So it would be really fascinating to see how many people have absolutely 100% believe in their mind that they saw a Bigfoot, even though they made it up 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. Mark Twain had a quote that said, it's easier to fool people than to convince them that they have been fooled. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of that going on here, too. I, a motivation to hoax also that I thought was worth mentioning is sort of that, um, how would you say it? It's sort of an anti-institutional uh, feeling coming through the hoaxer. In other words... Anarchist. You, you, yeah, you've got these credentialed uh, professors and scholars and people who society tends to look up to and somebody gets it in their head, you know, that they want to stick it to the man or the system. And so they're going to create some type of hoax event that fools the experts. And then they can sit back and say, you know, look, they're not so smart after all because they bought into this uh, fantasy that I've created. And so they're Mm -hmm. able to do a couple things there. You know, they feel better about themselves, feel superior to, you know, other people who have uh, legitimate expertise in a certain area of knowledge and kind of seem like they're above it all. Yeah. But I I love, I love this idea though, that sometimes it's just, there's no motivation behind it. It's just something someone is doing. Um, You know, when I was a kid, this is (laughs) pulling back the curtain. When I was a kid, we used to call those uh, 1-800 numbers, like any 1-800 number we could find in the phone book. You know, and you'd get some poor, hapless person just doing their job answering the phone, and we would prank them. We'd we'd hold a conversation with them for twenty minutes about whatever they were selling, uh-huh. and then at the end, someone would make like this ridiculously loud farting noise, and we'd all burst out laughing and hang up. There was no motivation behind that, right. besides right. we thought it was funny. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing else to it. It's we can we can try to say it's all down to money and attention, and I especially in Bigfootery. That is true of, I mean, I find it hard to put a number on it, but I'd say like 85, 95%, something like that of the time. That's probably what it's down to. But but there's also going to be that percentage of people. If we're talking about the YouTube videos, that's probably like 99% of those YouTube videos are just guys having fun. 
Sure. Like there, there's nothing. They're not out to maliciously hurt anyone necessarily or anything. They're just having fun. That's mm-hmm. it. Right. I'm not. I'm not defending that necessarily, but at the same time, I don't think anyone is tr- trying to maliciously take down the Bigfoot community when they make a fake YouTube video either. Yeah, and it's a motive that we have to talk about because it's mm-hmm. a real motive. You know, right. it's, it's a real driving force and some yeah i don't know really anything firsthand about uh ray wallace but i get the sense in what i've read about ray wallace that that may have been a motivation of his too is just goofing around you know we've had a rough day out here cutting down trees and so forth and we're just going to make a little more interesting right people do that yeah now when we were talking about people who profit off of hoaxes um there's another distinction here between profiting off of a hoax and profiting off of something that is a blatant, obviously, blatantly obvious. Our next episode is about the Minnesota Iceman. Mm-hmm. And in that same vein, the Minnesota Iceman seems to have been, to me anyway, it'll be interesting to talk to you about it, but it seems to me to have been just a, a, a carnival exhibit. And there's a difference between the Minnesota Iceman and the Georgia hoax to me. Now we can get into that. And I think that would probably be a whole other Mm -hmm. episode that would be equally, you know, just as diverse to talk about Mm -hmm. just as open to discussion. Um, But to me, there's a difference between pulling a hoax on people, literally bald face lying about something, gaining their, Try in an effort to gain funds or whatever, you know, gain ridiculous amounts of money mm-hmm. when it's a, a bald faced lie or selling a few tickets to uh, a dead Bigfoot exhibit. Now, what's what's really cool there, not cool, but what's really, uh, <laughs> really curious to watch is Dyer ride that line because you start mm-hmm. out with the Georgia hoax. And then I kind of feel like with the Hank in a in a box thing, I kind of yeah. feel like he started riding the Frank Hansen. Mm-hmm. Um, Barnum and Bailey kind of line when he got to that. Mm-hmm. So, what? <laughs> I guess that's the evolution of a hoaxer. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, the thing that uh, you were saying there is is really right on, and I think that, uh, uh, like for example, I know that there was a case where somebody faked a footprint cast and did their very best work on that to make it look authentic and sent it off to Grover Krantz. And Grover Krantz, I, you know, took some time inspecting it and pretty much declared that it was legitimate. It was a real Bigfoot cast. And I think, there, you know, there is a, a qualitative difference between someone doing that just to show that they were able to fool an expert and sort of the Frank Hansen... Uh, 35 cents to look at into this icy coffin. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with context, really, mm-hmm. um, which we'll get into, I'm sure. But the, the type of event that Hansen was you know, promoting versus somebody who is really, it's, a, it's a, just a different motive, I guess, and wanting to say, you know, I, I got one over on the uh, preeminent Bigfoot scientist of the day. And I, I, without any any context to say this at all, I wonder if uh, Dr. Meldrum faces this 
Uh, I don't. I haven't heard him talk about it, but I just wonder if people are peppering him, you know, with fake stuff all the time just to see what he'll say. I think. I think anyone who who actively investigates the subject uh, deals with that because I know BFRO gets it. Um, anyone who has any kind of hotline or a research, quote unquote, research team uh, deals with that. I know the NAWAC does. Um, it's a, it's got to be a constant. Any anyone that actively goes out and looks into sightings or anything, and that's unfortunate because like people that look into this stuff and are serious about it, they're they're just giving they're 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 giving of their time to something that they're into, you know, mm-hmm. and they're they're out there actively trying to uh, find a solution or a an answer to the mystery, and they're a lot of the time they're dealing with fake phone calls and kids mm-hmm. having fun at their expense. Yeah. And you know, the thing that's frustrating too, is that pe- some people are really good liars, mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. And you hear it a lot. And I may have mentioned this before, you know, most people would like to think of themselves as good judges of character, but there are some, there are some really excellent liars out there who through their passion and their ability to act can really sell a story. And so that doesn't help. You know, right. we'd, all, we'd all like to be able to say that, you know, within 10 seconds, I can tell if somebody's being truthful with me or not. But I think yeah, any, n- anybody can get punked at a given never, time. Never try to sell me on someone's uh, story by telling me they've stuck to it for, for years. Like, I never buy into something simply because the person that's telling the story has stuck to that same story for 30 or 40 years it's that stuff doesn't matter if um it's it's funny because this this is going to dovetail really well into the minnesota iceman story um there was a an interview i was reading about frank hansen where it said well he he pretty much took the story to to the grave right so Mm -hmm. it's gotta it's gotta mean it was true no it's the same it's the same way i feel about the patterson gimlin film and obviously i am more in the Patterson Gimlin film being real camp than I am in the uh, skeptic camp. But just because Patterson took the story to his grave claiming that it was real all the way doesn't mean that it was real. That has very little to do with it. There's too much to lose even in death (laughs) with a lie. Uh, A lie is a stain on your character and you would rather go to the grave without people knowing one way or the other than you would admit to a lie. Mm -hmm. I, I imagine it's hard to admit to something like as big as a story like like the Iceman would be, um, I, I imagine it's hard to admit to something like that all the way up until the the minute you draw your last breath. If it was, and I'm not saying again, like I'm not saying that either of these things are fake. I'm just using them as an example, right? And it's quite possible as well to start out on that level of let's just see what happens and put something out there. And then mm-hmm. it snowballs, takes on a life of its own. And even if you did step out of the shadows and say, hey, you know what, we faked this, you would have people who would probably turn around and uh, try come to discredit a, you. Yeah. Yeah, they'd come up with an elaborate conspiracy theory for mm-hmm. why you're saying it was right. Oh, gosh. Many <laughs> rabbit holes here, I think. There, there really are. Let's start to wrap this up, though. There's There's other places you wanted to take this. What do you got? Well, I think that 
you know, the, the one thing that I really wanted to make sure that we talked about, and I, I kind of mentioned it already, I guess, is the idea of how this can be, uh, you know, something where you, you repeat the lie enough and you start to believe it. And, and at that point, it becomes very difficult to separate fantasy from reality. Um, and it has a lot to do then with how you feel about yourself. And so I guess, I don't know, I guess we come full circle in a sense, you know, that we've got sort of empty fame and a, a type of self-esteem, you know, all falling under the umbrella of attention right. as being one motive for hoaxing. And I guess included in that would be uh, maybe a free pass into the acceptance in the Bigfoot community, such as it is. And then on the other end is the financial, what you you'd stand to gain financially for hoaxing. But I've really racked my brain to think of people who have benefited in a huge way from a Bigfoot hoax. And I, I guess I'm at a loss to find yeah. how that's like a lucrative gravy train. Really. What I actually, what I found, uh, what I found really cool about that quote about um, that, that I was quoting from the Huffington Post is mm -hmm. that he actually used the word promotion, um, and he was talking about promoting a product, and that got me to think. <laughs> that got me to thinking about people that claim to have sightings and then go on and write books and make movies about the Bigfoots they've seen or. Or that just use the fact that they've seen a Bigfoot or multiple Bigfoots to to promote themselves within the community as being some sort of expert. And those we definitely have. We definitely have people who who are popular among a certain you know, a certain category of people who got popular through some sort of sighting they had or multiple sightings or or in one case that I'm thinking of millions of sightings. Um Including like telepathic, mm. disturbing, yeah, stuff. yeah. So, well, and you know what? To the point of Brandon's letter, mm -hmm. why? Because I think it is a real phenomenon. Why would somebody be taken more seriously because they've had a sighting? You know, he used the word credibility. What what makes it more what, more credible that you've seen one than if you haven't seen one? Because a lot of who we would think of today as being some of the most credible researchers never had a sighting that that they would you know that they've publicly yeah. admitted to. So that's just that's an interesting little side trip as well. Is that's another rabbit trail though. That takes me down the thought process that that the people that are because I see it all the time. I see people that say, "Well, you just don't spend enough time out in the woods, or you'd see right. them like right. like I do." Well, John Green and. Renee DeHendon and Peter Byrne and Grover. Did Grover ever see one? I don't think so. Not that I mean, he, no. Mm -mm. So if you're a bigger uh, Bigfooter than those guys, then then uh, my hat's off to you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, wrap us up. Talk huh. about wrap us up on hoaxing. All right. Well, like I said at the top, when we're talking about hoaxing, what we're really talking about is lying. And why do people lie? And on one level, I, I suppose you could take a, a spiritual worldview look at that and say there's reasons why people lie. Staying just in the psychological realm, people lie for a variety of reasons. Some are, I suppose, more benign than others. But the bottom line is people are not always truthful. 
And when you are in a field of endeavor, like trying to figure out if Bigfoot is real, and if so, what are the ramifications of that, you have to be conscious that people may not be telling you the truth. And it makes it hard to work for the truth because you know, if, if you're not sure you know, what you're getting is reliable, um, then how do you separate, separate out the good points from you know, the junk? It's, it's hard. It, it makes this very difficult for people who, like Seth mentioned, are giving of their own time because they have a genuine interest in trying to solve this mystery. And unfortunately, at the heart of this mystery is also the mystery of the human heart, trying to figure out why we can't just be honest. Leave it to the minister to take us home. (laughs) Preach it. Join the conversation at facebook.com slash sasswhat. Find us on Twitter by using the hashtag sasswhat, or you can find me on Twitter at SethBreedsLove. Mark Matsky is on Twitter at Reverend Matsky. Send your letters to sasswhatmail at gmail.com and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Bye.